Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, bad, crazy martinis for you today. Also brought to you today once again by Theragun. Much more on that in just a little bit. And Jim, let's start with the good martini. We've had so much hammering, and rightly so, of the Biden administration, of the teachers' unions, of the CDC and Dr. Fauci yesterday, of all the reasons contrived and otherwise that we just can't get back into school with the kids. Uh, It's always a set of moving goalposts. So it's very refreshing when you hear from those who take a more sensible approach to this. And Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has been doing this for a long time. Florida's been back in school since the beginning of the school year, since uh, August. So uh, they are just plowing ahead. And like you said yesterday with private schools, uh, we don't see mass carnage, mass casualties at the Florida schools as a result of this decision. And so DeSantis has a message. See if you can follow his logic here. He's saying, and here's the clip, if you want to open schools, you should open them. The school reopening plan that makes the most sense, if you want to open schools, open them. Open the door. Let them come in and let them learn. And the only reason that that is not happening across this country, like it is in Florida, like it is in a handful of other states, it's one reason and one reason only. Because the Democratic Party puts the interests of education unions and special interests ahead of the well-being of our children and of our families. These kids have been out of school in parts of this country for almost a year. And if you follow that CDC guidance, they will not go back in this, this school year, and they may not even go back in the fall. That is a disgrace. That is not science. That is putting politics ahead of what's right for kids. That is putting politics and special interests ahead of what the evidence and observed experience says. Jim, it's hard to argue with what he's saying there. You can open schools if you really want to. They've done it. They have not had major problems, despite what the media has tried to uh, pretend is happening there. And he says exactly what we've been saying time after time when this issue has come up on Three Martini Lunch. This is an issue of politicians prioritizing unions and special interests ahead of kids. Uh, It's maybe not everybody, but that's the issue here. The unions are calling the shots and too many politicians won't stand up to them. Yeah, and I think that the... the coronavirus pandemic came along and, and it's kind of like, I'm trying to picture the, the right metaphor. What was the game where like it would, you had to try to put the things, the little pegs into the slots. And if you didn't do it in time, it would pop up and everything would explode. Perfection. Perfection. Okay. Right. Well, Ron DeSantis is perfection. No. Um, <laughs> what it is is that like people may, when, when Ron DeSantis was elected in 2018, not by a particularly wide margin, by the way. People may have thought, eh, okay, this is a guy who was uh, in Congress. He was kind of Trumpy in his style. This is not a guy who's destined to the na- national stage. And along comes this pandemic, and the national media decided that Ron DeSantis had to be the villain of this story, and Andrew Cuomo was going to be the hero of this story. And heading into this pandemic, you might have thought, wow, this virus is really deadly to the elderly. Florida is sometimes nicknamed God's waiting room, right? So this is, this is you know, they've got a lot of elderly people. This could really be hitting them very hard. You look at how they've done in terms of deaths per million residents, cases per million residents, 
they've actually done no worse than middle of the pack. That's pretty respectable uh, considering the circumstances. And this was the site where the NBA chose to continue its season. Uh, they've largely managed to keep their themselves, their businesses open. Their unemployment rate is a little lower. Um, life is a little bit more close to normal. They're doing a pretty good job of vaccinating their, their seniors. It's not perfect. I was going to say that Ron DeSantis hasn't made any mistakes during this, but the bet placed by both the national media and a whole bunch of Democrats was that Ron DeSantis was going to be the biggest, most terrible stumbling failure of this. And this has not been the case. I'll just give you two little kind of, uh, uh, you know, things to add to this story. Politico by Mark Caputo is probably one of the better guys covering the intersection, shall we say, between Florida politics and national politics points out that Ron DeSantis is now getting genuine buzz about running in 2024. Uh, he's expected a strong candidate for re-election in 2022, and I think that's pretty important. Uh, he quotes Josh Holmes, uh, formerly an advisor to Mitch McConnell, who says, look, part of this is that liberals tried to cast this in the yin and yang comparison with Cuomo. It's policy and it's partially stylistic, the way he handles the news media and his blue collar appeal. But here's the thing. We now know Andrew Cuomo was covering up deaths in nursing homes right? Cuomo is not the hero of this story. If you look at the performance of DeSantis, it is. And then there's one last detail that I just think is just a, a, a evocative of how wrong so many people in the media were from the very start of this pandemic. Greg, do you remember that guy, the Grim Reaper, and walking around Florida's beaches telling people that they were risking their lives and they were going to die by being outside in sunlight more than six feet away from people? Oh, yeah. Okay. This is a lawyer out in Florida named Daniel Ulfelder, right? And you probably remember the coverage. It was just, you know, oh my goodness, people are being served. Well, he tried to sue and the first district court of appeals not only tossed his claim, they basically are going to the Florida bar saying you should consider disciplining this guy. And I just want to re take one moment to read this because you don't usually see judges saying this. Quote, there was no good faith legal argument to support a claim for such relief in the trial court. And there was certainly no good faith basis to argue legal error on appeal, said the error by Judge Brad Thomas and Judge Adam Tannenbaum. The appellant Ufelder and his counsel undoubtedly used this court merely as a stage from which to act out their version of political theater. This was unprofessional and an abuse of the judicial process. Now you're probably thinking, well, wait, there's three judges. What did the third judges say? You think, well, the, in a concurring opinion, Judge Susan Kelsey indicated she wanted to go further, writing that she would also impose significant monetary sanctions. And they have gone to the Florida State Bar saying, if you guys have to discipline this guy. Right? So this guy who was, oh, this is, you know, look at this bold, you know, lawyer willing to tell the truth and doing it in such a theatrical way. The guy's nuts. The guy is actually off his loop, and the media celebrated this guy as a hero. Everything you heard about Florida in the beginning of this pandemic in the first couple of months turned out to be wrong. And everything you heard from the media in the first couple of months of this pandemic from about New York turned out to be wrong. That's a really strong argument if Ron DeSantis wants to run for president in 2024. A lot of road between now and then, but I think it's rather a rather uh, interesting indicator there. And I think the, the school issue is only going to accelerate this contrast between uh, red state, appropriate levels of caution, but taking steps where possible to reopen society versus this uh, claustrophobic, closed down, shut down, obstinate, uh, skewed by partisan politics, union obedience philosophy that we see in a bunch of blue states. 
Yeah, I think the left is confounded by DeSantis because obviously he barely beat Andrew Gillum. I think a lot of people are actually surprised that he won at all. And as uh, time has played out, boy, aren't you glad, Florida, that you made the right choice on that particular election. But then he made decisions that uh, were extremely popular across the board. I mean, for most of 2019, uh, he had a majority of approval from every demographic you could possibly think of. Men, women, whites, blacks, Hispanics, even Democrats uh, gave him a, a good, good rating. And so then when the coronavirus hit, the media and the Democrats said, here's our chance to tank this guy. So he became the guy that they had to take out as a governor. And uh, his common sense approach when he first got into office and now, uh, I think, is something that people definitely appreciate, particularly those who live in places where they don't have the freedom that they can see that people have in Florida. And Jim, it's not going to necessarily stop. We've talked about it uh, locally here where, where you live in Fairfax County and elsewhere. And DeSantis just said in that clip, a lot of places... You're not even going to be back to normal if you're back in at all in the fall. And so how long do people want this to go? Uh, He's doing what he thinks is right. And so far, it's working out great for Florida. And if that raises his political stock, great. Yeah. I mean, here in this neck of the woods in Fairfax County, I believe they're still vaccinating the teachers. Uh, The plan is to start opening various, the early certain grades are going to open on March 2nd, 3rd, something like that. Uh, the, the grades with my boys are going to be closer to March 17th. My suspicion is that if you have all the teachers who want to get vaccinated are vaccinated and they're still doing two days a week, that's when you're going to start seeing, you know, uh, crowds of parents with pitchforks and torches going to local schools and saying, you have no, if everybody's vaccinated, you don't have an excuse for not doing five days a week. Right. No, absolutely right. And Essentially, full classrooms. I don't even think you need the kids to be uh, that distanced. Uh, I'll let you decide what the other mitigation factors need to be. But uh, I think this is a possible way, I would say, for Republicans, but just common sense political candidates in general uh, to to stand out this year. I think we're already seeing it from some candidates in Virginia. And then next year, when there's more states and more midterm elections on the ballot, if it's still a major issue, which it might be, at least in the spring of next year, Uh, it could be a major issue as well. Parents are fed up and they're uh, less and less tolerant of the excuses at this point. All right, let's talk about our great friends over at Theragun. uh, Because look, if your politicians are using some common sense and trying to get back to normal where they can, uh, you don't have that much stress, at least not as much as people have in other states. But if you are in some of those other states, don't let that stress weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person like us, Just trying to make it through the day tension-free, you got to get Theragun. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And it is as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you wanna treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're really holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. It really pays attention to what you use it on randomly, what muscle groups, and then creates your own uh, therapy routine. It absolutely is amazing. My wife and I love it. Uh, We use it on the the feet, the the quads, uh, the back. I mean, it's just fantastic. 
asked my chiropractor, is this something that uh, random people should be using or is it only appropriate in the hands of people like you? And he says, you know what? I love it. You can use it. Just be commonsensical about it. Don't use it on your head, for example. But everything else, you know, you're fine. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and yes, me. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash martini right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash martini, theragun.com slash martini. All right, we talked about states that are less stressed, and we talked about states that are more stressed. So let's talk about the latter. That would be Texas is a very stressful situation, a very dire situation for some because of this massive cold snap, as well as some uh, snow and ice. And along with that has come failures of electrical systems, power systems. Uh, Some of it has uh, to do with the result of frozen wind turbines out in the western part of the state. But a lot of it also has to do with uh, freezing infrastructure with more traditional delivery of power systems, coal, natural gas. And so, yes, this cold is uh, uncommon in Texas. Oklahoma's dealing with it as well. Other parts of the country certainly part of this major cold snap. Uh, but we've got these rolling blackouts now in Texas, Jim, uh, for the people who move there from California. I'm sorry, you probably thought you were away from those things now. Uh, but this is, um, you know, this is going to be looked at a great deal once uh, everything is back up and running, but uh, there were failures here either of maintenance or of proper planning or uh, maybe too much reliance on uh, the dream of green energy that just can't meet the demand. But whatever it is, uh, the people of Texas are suffering and there's got to be a better way here. I know for you folks down there, they have had power outages. I haven't heard from them in, in probably since yesterday, so I hope they're doing okay. Look, when your power goes out, it's bad. Those of us in the Northeast probably have, or Mid-Atlantic probably have a little more experience with it than people have the power go out for long stretches in the South. I, you know, there's an old saying about how you know in in places like Minnesota or Buffalo or the New England states, they figure out how to live with large amounts of snow. If they couldn't function in snow, they would just have to hibernate through the entire winter, and the schools would never be open, and nobody would ever go to work, and, and, and all that. In the South, if snow comes to a place like Atlanta or, or Dallas or, or you know, outside of Houston, look, they're not used to getting snow, so you cut them a little bit of slack. They don't have as many plows. They don't have as much stockpiled salt and other chemicals to treat the roads. You're just going to have to deal with it tougher. But these kinds of cities are just not used to getting you know, a foot, more than a foot, really cold temperatures. And the power grid, um, my colleague Kevin Williamson observes that Texas, we think of it as being a pretty conservative place. But they like spending money on green energy initiatives as much as the next guy. And of course, if you give people the tax incentives to do it, they'll start exploring it. Well, the problem is, is that nobody kind of calculates what happens in these southern places that have lots of wind, that have lots of solar panels. What happens when a really big snowstorm comes along and makes everything much colder than none of these systems were designed to operate under? Um, I think one of my favorite things I've seen on social media in the last 24 hours, Greg, is the footage of a helicopter spraying de-icing uh, chemicals like they use on planes onto the, uh, the propeller blades of a giant wind turbine. And he observes, we're using fossil fuels from the helicopter to spray stuff on the wind turbine to get the wind turbine beginning again so that we can generate clean energy. Um, 
look, it's very clear. We're going to need a diversity of energy sources. There is no magic button or magic wand that's going to be sufficient. The world is going to throw unexpected situations at us. If we could guarantee the temperature would only be within certain ranges, things would be fine. If we could guarantee the weather, if, if we always knew it was going to be sunshine, solar panel would work everywhere all the time. Unfortunately, it doesn't. And when there's no sun, there's no sun going into the solar power uh, uh, receptors, generating it for the batteries. You're just going to need a diversity of sources. I got to tell you though, Greg, I have, have you heard a single case of a nuclear power plant not working because of cold? No. They, they seem pretty durable, right? You know, they, they have their own in, in challenges every now and then, but all in all, you'd say that, that's, a, that's an option that wouldn't uh, fall apart in cold weather. I wouldn't think so. But that, of course, has been uh, absolutely verboten on the left since Three Mile Island and and uh, certainly Chernobyl. But I mean, the track record for every power plant except Three Mile Island, I believe in this country, is flawless. Uh, in this country, yes. There are only three nuclear power plants that people can name. Fukushima, Chernobyl, and Three Mile Island. Those are the only three that have had problems. There's like thousands all around the world. Oh, by the way, I believe it says, I believe it's engraved in Marvel over at the Department of Energy headquarters building, Greg. We cannot use any source that Jane Fonda made a scary movie about. (laughs) Exactly. And for 24 fans, San Gabriel Island is fine. (laughs) Well, okay, that does, you know, that that show's accurate, so. (laughs) I mean, it came close, but of course, you know, Edgar Stiles saved the day. The government is actually planning to use the riots at the Capitol as an excuse to increase its spying on Americans. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, I walk through the recent history of the government using events like this to seize power and trample your rights, all while insisting they are protecting us. We'll also have Gordon Chang with us to discuss the emerging China threat from big tech to regional aggression. Subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about our final martini, our crazy martini now, Jim. And uh, people like to uh, assign some really weird beliefs to Bill Gates. Some of them might be accurate. Some of them maybe not so much. But Bill Gates has done this to himself. This is a courtesy of his new book where he's trying to save the earth. It's called How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. And this is from Sky News. Bill Gates has urged rich nations to move to 100% synthetic beef in order to address the greenhouse gas emissions driving global climate change. In the book, Gates stresses that while it remains possible for humanity to avert the disaster through technological achievements, government policy will ultimately be needed. Speaking to the MIT Technology Review magazine, he said that some governments would be constrained by their wealth. Quote, I don't think the poorest 80 countries will be eating synthetic beef. I do think all rich countries should move to 100% synthetic beef. So, Jim, uh, they're worried about the methane emissions from uh, the cows here. Uh, So I guess in addition to figuring out a way to create meat that people will think is good, there's going to be a giant bovine genocide. I I assume that uh, applies to dairy cattle as well. I like milk. I like beef. I can tell the difference. So my answer to Mr. Gates is simply uh, no. I'm going to go beyond no, Greg. I'm going to say, you see, you see those ribs? You see that burger? You see that uh, nice pot roast? You see that uh, chicken breast? You see that giant pile of barbecue? You will get it when you pry it from my cold, dead hand, which admittedly may come sooner than expected because of cholesterol and, and blood pressure and other issues. But nonetheless, it's not your call, Bill Gates. Look, I know he 
thinks he means well. I'm sure he, this is, you know, once you've gotten credit for saving the world in one way, and yes, he's given away a good portion of his fortune, but every once in a while, like this is not the first time Bill Gates has gone off in some odd direction about here's how I can save the world. Um, and and kind of, you know, done so with this maniacal cackle that makes you uh, think of Dr. Evil or something like that. TED conference, 2009, Bill Gates was making a very com an important compelling point, which he believed that for an issue like malaria, lots of people believe it doesn't directly affect them, so they don't have to care about it. And his point was that even if it doesn't directly affect you, you should care. He points out that more money had been invested into re researching male pattern baldness because rich men are more likely to be afflicted by that. So to demonstrate that people should be worried, rich people should be worried about malaria, even if it doesn't affect them directly, he unreached a swarm of mosquitoes onto the audience and declared, there's no reason why only poor people should have that experience. After a brief moment of panic, he explained the mosquitoes were not infectious. Greg, isn't this like the first chapter of a Marvel comic supervillain? Yes, absolutely. Right? That, you know, I will show you that mosquitoes matter, you, you know, puny humans. Here you go. And that is how the Microsoft mosquito got born or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, I, I suppose Bill Gates, like, I, I don't want to completely trash the guy. No, he's not trying to put microchips into you. Uh, but through the vaccines or anything like that. Bill Gates has spent the second half of his life trying to help humanity find new ways to fight off viruses after doing a phenomenally piss poor job with it with Microsoft for a couple of decades. <laughs> Jim, quite the day today. Glad we had some sanity from Ron DeSantis. I'm guessing the left will use Texas as an excuse for why we need more of the Green New Deal, not backing away because of course they're never wrong about anything. And then uh, Bill Gates going, Totally off into La La Land. So, uh, Greg, okay. we need wind-powered heaters surrounding all of the wind turbines. Especially in the plants that create the synthetic beef, whatever that's going to be. That's going to be tofu, isn't it? It's going to be like uh, vegan, like uh, vegetable burgers or something. Do we really want that future? Even if, it, even if, the, if the planet is slightly healthier, do, who wants to live in that future? No burgers <laughs> this this is not the segue you expected right before the show ended. but I, <laughs> So I know that half and half is not good for me when I put it into my coffee. So for the last few weeks, I have been trying to find every possible non-regular half and half substitute. Oat milk version, fat-free half and half, almond milk version. If it grows, chances are somebody has tried to create a half and half out of it. And you know what, Greg? They all stink. They are white. <laughs> they are water with white food coloring in it. It is as if people have seen half and half and they've like smelled half and half, but they've never actually tasted half and half. And they've decided, ah, here's a white fluid. This is close enough. Guess what, guys? No, it's not. Leave us alone. Man, it's not that hard. Jim, anyway, have a good day. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to try out uh, Theragun for 30 days, theragun.com slash martini. Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Uh, we are very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Uh, also, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday, and we'll be back with you on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.